Yeah, these Wisconsin companies, there's some seriously quality companies because they're always known for doing things mm-hmm. a step up right. from all these others. And, you know, because, I mean, let's face it, Culver's, the big di- issue isn't Culver's versus, you know, Mickey D's or Burger. You know, it's Culver's mm-hmm. versus In-N-Out. <laughs> or in Texas, Culver's versus Whataburger, yeah. you know, the ones that everybody holds in the highest esteem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, the higher quality, I do think, is very Wisconsin, which we, sh- we should save for the intro of the episode, because that's a great point. Which we can start recording whenever. Yeah, maybe Let's we do should. It. <laughs> All right. Or have you been recording the whole it's time? Because this would have been the perfect. <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> well, you know, Thanks, Dave. Uh, speaking of great Wisconsin companies, and I think we're one of them, and certainly Quick Trip is one of them, but people like Sargento, people like Johnsonville, we've got some gr- great grocery store chains yeah. in, in, in uh, Wisconsin. Um, who are the, the sausage, uh... When you mentioned Johnsonville, are you talking about Old World, Old old Wisconsin, or... I'm talking about Johnsonville, Johnsonville. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> the sausage company, uh... Mm-hmm. But we got a lot of good summer sausage companies. Yes, we Clements do. and, you know, you name it. Usingers. Uh, Usingers and... is another one, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I love Wisconsin. I can I, tell. I do. I well, you tell. came to the right place. Good. <laughs> yeah. Because we love talking about all things Wisconsin and what makes Wisconsin fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's, well, that's why we're here mm-hmm. in our cabin. We're here in our cabin. Which I'm still getting used to. It just got redone a little while ago. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm loving all of the new accoutrement. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous in here. We have to give Nicole so many shout outs yes, for what do. she's done to this place. And I know tomorrow is September, but I'm eyeing up that snowshoe going, winter's not that far away. Is oh, it? No. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't scare Dave. Well, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> well, here in the cabin today, we're, we're very excited because we have a special guest who's uh, basically started a company that you have enjoyed at mm-hmm. some point. Perhaps almost every day. <laughs> if you're listening to this so. episode of The Cabin, you've enjoyed this, this yes, establishment. Yes, that's true. <laughs> if you have the heads up, you're listening, you're an active lover mm-hmm. of Culver's. And we have none other than the Craig Culver with us today. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about the. <laughs> Name, one other. I, Name I, another Craig Culver. <laughs> <laughs> there are other Craig Culver's, okay. by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be here. Thank you for the invite. That's yeah. very, very nice. It's great to have you here. And we will get into some details about Culver's, its history, its awesomeness, and other things. Yeah, would love to. In moments mm-hmm. on the cabin. Right after this. Cabin is brought to you by the Wisconsin Counties Association, and this week we're featuring Jefferson County, which I drove through to get here today. Mm. (laughs) Jefferson, uh, of course, itself is the county seat located at the intersection of the Rock and Crawfish Rivers, the confluence, if you will. Mm -hmm. Very strong German heritage. They celebrate with Gemutlichkeit Days, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think you are. Something like that. Sounds right. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) a lot of other festivals throughout the year. Uh, And Waterloo. Also celebrates with an annual Wiener and Kraut Day. Hmm. That sounds like one heck of a festival. (laughs) A lot of meat, a lot of cabbage. Is there an annual Wiener Day and an annual Kraut Day? No, I think the way I read it on the website was All together? All together. They they go together like kibbles and bits. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Also, Lake Mills was originally called Tyranina. Didn't know that. Which there is a Tyranina Brewing Company, which supposedly is an indigenous name, meaning sparkling waters. 
Tyree Nino is also uh, one of the ancient names of the lake that's there, which is now called Rock Lake. But uh, Lake Mills, very lovely town, home to a Culver's. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right off exit 259. And Fort Atkinson <laughs> was named after a combination of two inspirations. General Henry Atkinson, who was a commander of the U.S. forces during the Black Hawk War, which was back in the 1830s, against uh, a mixed band of Sauk, Meskwaki, and Kickapoo tribes. Uh, the city also developed at the site of Fort Koshkanong, which you may recognize that name for the big lake uh, just southwest of Fort Atkinson. That was used during that war, and a replica of the original stockade from 1832 has been built just outside town. So, And there's also a Culver's in Fort Atkinson right yes, off US 12 and <laughs> Highway 26. And so, yeah, Speaking of the Sauk Indians, uh, they spent a lot of time just outside of Sauk City and Prairie de Sac, my home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, still today, I know a lot of people that uh, hunt for the the arrowheads. Arrowheads, yeah. Oh. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, and, and they find a lot up in the hills right along the river. Wow. Which is called Black Hawk Hill or Round mm-hmm. Top. And so, yeah, uh, there was a lot going on there. A lot of artifacts while well, they were there for so long and... Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. lot. There's a lot there. So, um, so that's Sauk County and Jefferson County, of course, part of our mm-hmm. Wisconsin Counties Association County of the Week. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to Sauk County in a future episode, and Great. we love talking about Sauk County. We too. do love talking about Sauk um, County. I'm, I'm thirsty, so let's uh, let's light this candle. Because the cabin is also brought to you by Jolly Good Soda, and what's so funny about this? Eric has our last Jolly Good in the building because we have literally drank them all. <laughs> oh wow! I I was gonna pretend like this was Jolly Good in in this, but you've uh, you've broken yep. the veil. I did. I did. <laughs> it was supposed to be all about deception, Susan. You're I just, know. Okay. I know. But when they only hear one crack of that top. Thank you for that. Good stuff. Uh, they'll realize it's only one because we literally love Jolly Good so much. Was we, it my loudest We drank it out. <laughs> Jolly Good Soda is available in 6 and 12 packs in select flavors at Festival Foods, Woodman's, Sundex, Piggly Wiggly, Triggs, and Quality Foods. And if you can't find Jolly Good at your local store, what do you do, Dave? You make a big scene. Stomp and yell. <laughs> cry. <laughs> you go up to that manager and you're like, hey, dude, I need more Jolly Good. Throw punches. Soda. Throw punches. <laughs> you can get the regular. Just Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's advice is pretty extreme. But you can get regular Jolly Good. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, you will see that Eric, as per usual, is enjoying one of the diet lines of the Jolly Good, which is caffeine-free, zero calories, zero carbs, zero sugars, which is the perfect way to enjoy your flavor. Especially now that we're coming into fall. We need some new fall mixed drinks versus mm-hmm. our summer mixed drinks. And yeah. make sure that you stay up to date on Facebook, Instagram, and their Twitter accounts at Jolly Good Soda for all of their fun promotions. Halloween themed, uh, old fashioned, or something using Jolly Good. Ooh, good. that can work. Something yeah. along those lines. Hmm. It's like you work Too much for, to a, Halloween. for a media company, Eric. It's almost as if I'm in <laughs> broadcasting or something, right? <laughs> and on that note, I think it's a great time. Let's fire up the grill for some butter burgers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, we are introducing a new mini-series here in the cabin. Uh, we've done small runs of episodes like Haunted Wisconsin back in October, last October. Uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin Best Bites and Brewsconsin kind of became its own mini-series, but... It's turning into one. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of material there. <laughs> yeah. Today, we are uh, breaking ground on a new series that we are calling, what is Iconically Wisconsin? Iconically Wisconsin. Yeah, and so we are uh, interviewing some people that have made Wisconsin the iconic destination that it is. And so to kick it off, today we have 
the man behind custard butter burgers and so much more, Craig Culver. Thank you for being here. Welcome it's, to the cabin. Yeah. Hey, it's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome to have you here. Thank you. Before we get started, does everyone want to say their favorite Culver's order? Oh. Because I'm, I'm a big fan of the cod dinner. Got to have cod dinner. That's fair. Even if it's not Friday. It's, it's always <laughs> Which Friday. I've never tried at Culver's. What? The cod, the walleye. I look it's at it. It's very and I'm like, good. That looks, but I can't be there and not get a burger. Oh, just have a cod fillet sandwich. I'll have yeah. to do that. And and the tartar sauce that we the tartar uh, sauce. I that I we have? have have to get that for like making fish at home. I have to have that <laughs> tartar sauce. So my family, you know, we've been in the food business since I was 11 years old, starting with a little A and W drive-in. But we've also had several supper clubs mm. over the many years oh. before starting Culver's. And back at the Farm Kitchen Resort, which uh, my family bought in uh, 1969, which was also a supper club and resort right at the north entrance of Devil's Lake State Park. Mm. And that tartar sauce stems from the Farm Kitchen days back then. And we've carried that forward to Culver's, and I love our tartar sauce. And, of course, I love our cod as well. (laughs) I love the walleye, but we can't source enough walleye to Yeah, I know that's an occasional dish. Just during Lent. There's no other restaurant like that that will serve walleye. Mm-hmm. You can get a fish sandwich in a lot of places, but walleye? Yeah, yeah not like our, not like a Culver's, uh, so to speak. But uh, we sell a lot of walleye uh, when we have it. We sell, <laughs> we sell out uh, rapidly, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> our cod is, in my opinion, just as good as the walleye is. Yeah. But I shouldn't say that in Wisconsin, should I? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe in here, so we're good. <laughs> yep. What's your oh uh, favorite? I see. I'm gonna default into a butter burger. Mm. That's I'm, like I'm gonna it's do the, the quintessential same. thing at Culver's. Double butter burger with cheese. Well, here I want to onion wanna, rings. I want to set you straight on a butter burger. Ooh. All right. What I tell people is, if they've never had a burger at Culver's, a butter burger, what they should order is a double butter burger with nothing on it, no mm. cheese, no ketchup, nothing. So they just get the buttered bun and the double butter burger. And you bite into that, and you'll taste the true flavor of the meat that we use at Culver's. It's the best. It is is just the best. You know, and and I love, you know, I usually order a single deluxe, as a matter of fact. You know, mayonnaise, lettuce, pickle, tomato, and onion. So I I love all that, too. Mm -hmm. But to get the true taste of a butter burger, order it plain, order a double. And I do that on occasion in, in any restaurant I might go to, just make sure... Yeah, Every, quality control. <laughs> Absolutely. See what sets Try it that. apart. Try yeah. that. Well, it's kind of like when you go to an Italian restaurant, a straight-up cheese pizza will tell you oh. almost everything you need to know about the rest of their mm. food. There you it's go. It's kind of similar. You get the most basic burger you can, and you get the you get the sense of the main ingredients. Because without a good bun, without good meat, the rest of the burger is not going to matter. No mm-hmm. different with custard. You'll probably ask ask me what's my fa- favorite yeah. flavor. Well, it's vanilla. I'll okay. tell you straight up, <laughs> it's vanilla. Same thing. Uh, vanilla is, you know, it's the base for all the flavors that we have. Even the, it's the base for chocolate as well. Yeah. So if you've never had frozen custard, at Culver's that is, <laughs> try the vanilla first before you've ever tried another, another flavor. Just try it and you'll get that great Wisconsin dairy taste, which is so wonderful. Yeah, it's so rich. That's the... The best part about it. Yes, yeah, 13% butter fat. And, uh, egg yolk, too, right? Egg yolk yeah. is in custard. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just denser and 
Yeah. More delicious, which is nice. Eat it slower. You can enjoy it longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the egg doesn't add uh, density, but it adds richness mm-hmm. to the custard. And Yeah, the density part is more in how it's prepared, right? The exactly. More is forced out. So you're very good. <laughs> very I'm smarter good. than I look. It's homework. <laughs> so you're right. Uh, a good custard has very little air beat into it. We, we say about 20 to 25% air is beat into good frozen custard. Ice cream that you buy in the grocery store generally has as much as 100% air beat into it. So if you take a quart of custard, from Culver's anyway, and a quart of some ice cream that you buy in the grocery store, the custard's going to weigh considerably more hmm. than that ice cream is because it has less air beat into it. It, it is noticeable. That's called an overrun, if you want to get technical about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you Interesting. Know, and, and let's get into that history. Now, Culver's, I believe, started in 1984. Very good. And the first time I had heard of it, I was a college student in Madison in 89, and you guys were advertising on Z104. Ah. And I heard the ad about, if you want a really good burger, you've got to try this butter burger at Culver's stores, which... At the time, you probably had, I don't know, five, six locations or something. They were all kind of around Madison. Yeah. I don't think you'd expanded that much at that time. So that's the first time I'd heard of it, and I tried one, and I'm like, okay, that's my new that's my <laughs> new go-to. Um, but so, and you had mentioned before an A&W root beer stand and some supper clubs. You know, just give us kind of the history of how Culver's came to be then, because obviously its origins go back a few decades before it actually began. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when I'm telling the story, I don't start with Culver's frozen custard. I start with where we really got involved in the restaurant industry. And my dad, uh, my parents are both past now. Uh, Dad would uh, if he was still here, he'd be approaching uh, 100 this year. Uh, but uh, my dad was uh, worked in the dairy business with the Wisconsin Dairies back in the 50s and 60s. And for whatever reason, he got uh, entrepreneurism started to <laughs> fill in, fill in, in into him, and uh, and he decided he wanted to buy this little A and W drive-in in Sauk City, right where the original Culver's is today. Mm. So 716 Phillips Boulevard. Is that along <laughs> 12, right? Along right the along main 12. Drag. That's, yeah, that's the original. And so he bought this little A and W uh, drive-in and uh, gravel parking lot, uh, no inside seating. Uh, there was n- <laughs> no lines for cars to park. They just circled. <laughs> they circled the wagon, so to speak. They they circled around the building when we got busy. All car hop service. Um, the bathroom was even on the outside of the building instead of the inside. I mean, it was a little shack of a place mm-hmm. serving five and ten set root beers in the mugs, the cold frozen mugs, mm-hmm. and the little baby beers. If you guys are too young, you don't remember any of that. Uh-uh. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was it was a cool place. And uh, like I said, he bought that in uh, 1961, mm-hmm. 1961, so a long time ago. And uh, in 1968, he decided to sell. And by the way, when he bought that place, he didn't have the money to buy it. I'm told he he needed some help from his father. My father eventually helped me as well when I uh, started my career. Uh, but uh, Dad put all of his marbles on the table when he bought that. And uh, something about entrepreneurs, uh, which Dad was, uh, they don't think they can fail. They just don't. 
They well, are, they're, they're willing to take on an amazing amount of risk, and they pour everything into it. That's right. And so they put themselves, I can't fail. Mm-hmm. I have to yeah, make this and, work. Well, and if they do, guess what they do? They get back up again. Oh, they try. They, absolutely. They don't stop. And Well, Craig, you know what they say. An entrepreneur is somebody who works 100 hours a week so they don't have to work 40. been there done that (laughs) but anyway dad uh uh, decided to sell the a and w in sock city in 1968 i didn't care um food service was not going to be my vocation you got to work those hundred hours hundred hour weeks and uh so he sold it and uh, dad couldn't sit still very long and he started looking for another opportunity to purchase and that's when the farm kitchen resort came up for sale at the north entrance of Devil's Lake State Park. And uh, two big dining rooms, uh, lobby or in the middle of it. Uh, we had a little bar. We added a little bar to that. We had 24 cottages. Um, we had an amusement barn, 40 acres. Uh, we had gardens. Jeez, um, this yeah. place sounds huge. It, it, yeah. it was. And, and you know, when I'm telling the story, I, I say, what was my father thinking? <laughs> you know, he's coming from a hot dog stand to this. That's a big change. This is a full-service yeah. place with, a, a you know, 24 sleeping rooms uh, as well and swimming <laughs> pool. and uh, But, uh, you know, they were my mom and dad, and I uh, just figured they'd figure it out. <laughs> and they did. They just figured it out. But one of the things they were so good at, and uh, th- this is another thing I share with all of our team members and managers and owners, They were so good at surrounding themselves with the right people. People that gave a darn, you know, people Mm -hmm. that knew how to say please and thank you and my pleasure. They were so good at that. And that carries forward with us, part of our culture yet today. And by the way, it's a struggle right now. Labor is a struggle right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why it's so important that we retain the right people in our organization. We do everything we can to make sure... Uh, we can grow careers for those people. So someday they can own their own Culver's frozen custard and butter burger place. And that's what we try and do. But mom and dad, they, they got it they got it started. And uh, like I said, they helped me along the way as well. So did they still have that place when you were getting Culver's no. going in 84? No, uh, dad sold uh, the farm kitchen in uh, 1974. And... Uh, I was just graduating from college uh, with a degree in biology. You see, I wasn't going into the restaurant business. <laughs> well, I, I was sending out resumes everywhere and uh, didn't know where the heck I was going to go. And uh, my sister suggested to me that uh, I go talk to her neighbor, Tom Showers. Tom and Betty still live in the area here. Tom was an area supervisor for McDonald's, and my sister suggested Craig, go talk with him, see if he can get a job with McDonald's. Hmm. I said, Georgia, my sister's name, I don't want to be in the restaurant business, and I don't think I want to work for McDonald's. Well, guess where I ended up? (laughs) Yeah, and I went to work for McDonald's as a trainee, much like many of our young people do with us, and uh, became a general manager with them within a year. I learned a lot uh, from the McDonald's people. You see, working for your family in uh, family businesses, and still family businesses are like this today, they don't necessarily keep track of the P's and Q's. They don't keep a scorecard. They don't know 
the labor controls, the waste controls, the inventory controls. They don't have an income statement. They don't even know how to read an income statement or a profit <laughs> and loss statement. Well, McDonald's taught me those things. Sure. They really did. Not that my parents didn't know those things, but they sure never taught them to me. And the McDonald's people taught those, those P's and Q's to me. Well, McDonald's is about being scalable and having a standard that applies anywhere you go. And when you have a small but that applies business, to, you don't have to worry about that. That applies stuff. to any good business. Mm-hmm. You got to have standards. You've you've got to be consistent. If not, then you're going to be all over the place, and it's probably not going to work on a large scale. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I never knew that you worked for McDonald's. I did know that you graduated from UW Oshkosh. That's right. Because I did as well. <laughs> I actually saw you at some of the pitch nights for the CEO club. Oh, okay. which was very fun. But my question about working at McDonald's, I once heard an interview with their founder when he was asking like i think it was like a group of school children uh what do you think i what do you think i do for a living what do you think my business is and they all said well you make hamburgers and he said no i'm in the real estate business yeah he would say (laughs) he would say that and they were and i would my comment would be we're in the people business Mm -hmm. that's what we're in we're in the people business and like i said we're trying to create careers for people not just be a hamburger flipper, as so many people say about our business. We're far more than that. We're very sophisticated, as a matter of fact. And we want to teach people our business, and we want to, we want people to go on and create their own careers. And if Culver's is part of that plan, you know, we're proud to help them along that way. See, and that's what I think makes it that iconically Wisconsin bit. Because you feel that difference when you walk into a Culver's versus walking into a McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll never say anything bad about any of our competitors and certainly not but Fair McDonald's. <laughs> they taught me a great deal. And, uh, you know, I was with them back in the very early, you know, mm-hmm. not, not the earliest days, but in the in the 70s. And I'll tell you what, they were a great company and they're still a they're still a powerhouse yet today, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we compete against them everywhere as well as everybody else. And earlier, we mentioned a couple of the iconic brands mm-hmm. uh, that we also competed in, in uh, not necessarily Wisconsin, but some, you know, Chick-fil-A would be one of those mm-hmm. great brands, family-owned business, in and out of California. We compete against them in Arizona and, and uh, Utah and Colorado and, and Texas. Uh, the other one, Whataburger down in Texas as well. They, you know, they have cult followings. They have great followings. Well, I think we do too. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are some, you know, and I totally respect those brands. I do. I, uh, uh, they've got great people. They've had great founders who, in some cases, they're still with the companies. And, you know, th- which brings up to me succession. What do you do? When the founder is not there anymore, what, you know, and that's the thing that all leaders have a responsibility of filling in that space behind them. And that leader that fills in that, that, that comes up next, they have to do the same thing over and over and over again. You know, we're 37 years old. Uh, uh, McDonald's is well, 55, right? So, uh, yeah. So they're what? 75, 70. 75 years old or something like that. Five or six. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. 66. What year is it? 2021? They, <laughs> who knows? Anymore? I can't even do it that math anymore. It doesn't matter. But one of the things I, I said to my daughters, I have three wonderful daughters, and I said to them, 
wouldn't it be wonderful if we set a plan in place, a strategy in place, that Culver's would become a 100-year-old brand at that point in time and still be family-owned? Mm. I just think that, would, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I'm not going to see that or even my <laughs> daughters aren't aren't going to see that, but you have to have a plan in place. And I'm sorry I shifted gears a little bit here, but, <laughs> but succession... You shifted it, to 2084. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> succession is uh, so important. Uh, but that's, you know, like I, I really meant that. When we're, we're in the people business, mm-hmm. and it's our responsibility to develop our people, not only to be good at what we do at Culver's, but to be better people as well. Mm. And I think... Uh, uh, we can do that. When people are challenged in business and they overcome challenges, they also feel better about themselves, and I believe they're a better person because of it, not just in the business world, but in their own world outside of business as well. Okay, that. let's get to something fun. Well, no, there, there is, well it's funny because there, there's a sense of community around a Culver's in a town. More so, I think, than many other places uh, in that category. And you feel it. Like, I w- when I was uh, back in Dallas and went to high school in that area, mm-hmm. and I was driving on the freeway, and I saw Culver's in McKinney, Texas. That's right. First mm-hmm. time I ever saw one down there, and I was like, oh, my God, we're coming down here. Like, I'm acting <laughs> like I'm part, you know. You were on Highway 75 is where I you I was were. on 75, the Central <laughs> Expressway. Very good. Whoa. <laughs> We've got another road fan. He knows. Wow. Okay, I'll I'll give you one more then. I was doing road trip writing for a a hotel chain, and I was in Murray, Kentucky. Yeah. I was doing bourbon trail chains and some other stuff. And uh, it was Best Western, and they have a hotel in Murray. So I stopped there, got pictures, and I was hungry, and I saw a Culver's. (laughs) And for me, it was the Wisconsin Embassy. (laughs) So last... uh... Last year, we didn't have our convention. Uh, We have an annual convention. We call it reunion, as we call it. We don't call it convention, but for our folks' audience here, that makes more sense to them. But So two years ago, we have a store of the year, Murray, Kentucky. It was Mm. Murray? Wow. Nice. That's funny. They were so friendly there. Well, a Wisconsin influence there. (laughs) Jim and Chris, who are the owners of that restaurant, they're from Waukee, Wisconsin. Really? Go. And they've also got family down in Murray, and they decided to move their their young family down there and open a Culver's. He was in the his father was a Pontiac dealer in uh, in uh, Milwaukee and decided <laughs> to get out just at the right time. <laughs> and Jim went along with that and uh, decided nice. to open a Culver's. That's yeah, I mean a little college town down there. Murray it's State a is wonderful. There and, yeah, and uh, basketball school. Yeah. Big yeah. time for the NCAA tournament. That's when yeah. everybody hears about it. And yeah, they're all friendly. I'm like, oh, I'm from Wisconsin. I have to come here and get a burger. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome. You know, yeah. A little bit of the Kentucky <laughs> accent. Now, how many Culver's are there in the country, roughly? Well, glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have 812 right now. We wow. Opened, this, uh, lo- this past week, we opened uh, two restaurants, both on Tuesday. Normally, we'd open on Monday. Monday was a holiday. And so we opened two on uh, Tuesday. Wow. Oh See, gosh. the thing is, I have a feeling you know the location and a story behind each one. Yeah. Because yeah. I've named two in states far from here, and you knew yeah. 
Exactly. You know the family, you know their story. It's bizarre. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm not the CEO any longer, so I haven't been for six years now, but I'm still very engaged in the business. Yeah. I'm chairman of the business and and an owner of the business as well. And probably not, uh, I don't know the the newer people as well as I knew the people prior uh, to me exiting as CEO, but uh, that's very important. That's That's the culture piece. These these owner operators of Culver's they go through 17 weeks of training with us, so we do get to know them well. They they spend 12 weeks in Sauk City, <laughs> Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they, we get to know them. They get to know us, and for an organization to be successful, you got to build a relationship oh, between, yeah. between. Here we are back yeah. to people again. Right? <laughs> you got to build a relationship. Yeah, uh, between the parties, and you got to work together as one, and uh, that's the way we work. So eight hundred, we said eight twelve, eight twelve. How many different states now? Twenty six. Okay. Wow. Do you want to be in all fifty states? Except for California. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) No, uh, it it doesn't. That's not that big a deal to me. When Mm -hmm. and my dad was the same way. One of the things he said to me when we probably had a hundred restaurants was he said, "Culver, it's not important how many restaurants we have. What's important is how many good restaurants we Mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. And how do you get good anything?" Again, it's back to people. Yeah. You got to have the right leadership. You got to, and they surrounding themselves with the right people. So that's what's key. And yeah, we are opening about 50 restaurants a year uh, right now, but I don't care to open them if we can't, you know, if we can't put the right leaders in there and we can't yeah. staff them properly. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I want. I don't want to close restaurants, and we've been very good at uh, not closing any mm-hmm. restaurants. We've been very good at, at uh, operating successful restaurants. Mm. And this past year was yeah. <laughs> not an easy one, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, yeah, most of, I mean, the, the concentration, of course, started here in Wisconsin. Sure did. Some of the original, because, you know, the Culver's logo is pretty unmistakable, but there's been a slight tweak to it over the years. I can see in Cross Plains, Sauk City, and a couple of other locations, different signage. north and west of Madison, the original logo, <laughs> which is it's slightly different, but it's noticeable. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, wow, those are the restaurants that were there in the 80s. Even Sauk City is not the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roadside, Cross Plains, you know, I think, is. Uh, that's they, they haven't changed theirs. You're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they came along a little bit later. They were probably... Uh, 1995 or something like that, because they're, I think, 27 years old. Because you were primarily a kind of Madison, South Central Wisconsin area. Oh, yeah. Growing chain for, for quite a while. When was the big expansion? When did that begin, and how did you go about doing that? Well, the big expansion started about 1993, and uh, we, I think that year we opened 14 restaurants. And we weren't prepared for that. No, we weren't. We didn't have the infrastructure in place, meaning the people in place to open that many restaurants. I mean, we doubled, tripled, quadrupled in size. And uh, that usually doesn't work real well uh, for an organization. So what we did was I said, we got to stop this. We're not prepared to grow this fast. And we're not doing a good job at servicing our restaurants. 
So we actually stopped franchising for close to a year. And uh, people were coming in saying, you know, I want to franchise. And we were telling them, no, we we can't do it right now. We're not prepared to. We're going to open. Well, we didn't know when we'd reopen uh, franchising. (laughs) But when we did, a year later, after saying, after closing it down, we had people lined up wanting to Culver franchise. And hmm. what what we found out, this was great marketing. <laughs> when you tell Scarcity. somebody when you tell somebody no, they want it even more. <laughs> yep. so, and uh, uh, you know, we've never done that again. Uh, but uh, we know how important people are and the right people on your team, and you got to have them if you're going to grow. So you need to be. The right kind of the right kind of nice people. You do <laughs> yeah. twelve weeks of training in Sauk City. What else does it take for someone who wants to open a Culver's franchise? Unfortunately, it takes money. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, that's business. Yeah, because <laughs> these are these are not inexpensive uh, projects. Uh, land alone uh, can be well over a million dollars. The building is a couple million dollars. The equipment packages. You know, I don't even know all the exact numbers any longer, but it can easily be in excess of $3 million. Wow. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it's close to $5 million. Fortunately, our sales volume uh, is strong enough where we can, we can do those numbers. It makes sense to us, and, and, and so we are. We're on a, last year with covid we still had a record year. Uh, our, our comparative sales and everybody in our business always compares to the prior year. Mm-hmm. Comp sales, comparative sales. Um, those stores that were open, not not in addition to the new restaurants that opened. And we were up about 4% uh, in the year of the COVID. And this year, we're just, so far, we're blowing the doors off. Yeah. Uh, we are, and it's Well, it's proven to be busy. a solid return on investment, people who have franchised a Culver's. And if you looked in the magazines, like the Inc. magazines and some of the others, where they always rank franchise opportunities, Culver's has shown up pretty high on those lists. Yeah, I don't see all that stuff. Uh, I don't, it's it's always cool to see your name, yeah. and, but uh, we're not. You know, we need investors, certainly, and some of our owner-operators need investors to help them, just like my father helped me because mm-hmm. I didn't have any money mm-hmm. uh, back when. But uh, we don't want just pure investors. Oh, yeah. We want people that truly have a heart for what we do. But uh, we do need investors for some of our people. But it has been shown to be a pretty good return. But that goes back to... Good people yeah. running it, good food mm-hmm. there. And that's that's another question like I would have. Like the business mind in me is like, how you know, what do you have issues sometimes with sourcing? What's what are your biggest challenges? And I know you you have a closer relationship, it seems, to the food source and the farmers. You know, if you're driving on 151, yep. for example, you see the big thank you farmers mm-hmm. sign on the day. I know you see that all the I time. Pass it Susan, every two weeks. When you go yep. to <laughs> so, you know. Noting the, the freshness of the food and how close you are to the source of it, that's a that's a big deal. We wanted you. people to know where their food came from. And as well, we wanted to pat farmers on the back in a big, big way. I think the hardest job in America is being a farmer and being a dairy farmer especially. <laughs> oh, they work. Mm-hmm. They work so, so hard. And what they produce uh, produces all the 
you know, whether it's milk, whether it's frozen custard, whether it's the great cheeses we have uh, in, in the United States and especially Wisconsin. They work so hard to do that. I compare restaurant work to agriculture <laughs> as very comparable, as a matter of fact. We're seven days a week. Uh, you know, we, we're there in the restaurants at uh, 6, 7 in the morning, getting it prepared to open at 10. You know, we close... As I was saying earlier, 10 o'clock generally, but sometimes as late as 12 o'clock. It's a long day. <laughs> it is. And it's one of the reasons I, I told my parents a long time ago, as I told you earlier, I didn't want to be in the restaurant business. <laughs> I don't want to work as hard as you did. But, uh, you know, <laughs> agriculture and restaurants are, there's a lot of similarities as far as hours that you have to put in. Well, and we noted risk. You know, entrepreneurs... Mm-hmm. taking on risk. Farmers have a lot of risk because oh. they're so dependent on weather and seed quality and just all those kinds Absolutely. of things. Machinery. Machinery. I mean, animal health. This stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and it goes on and on and on and on. And But, you know, traveling through Wisconsin right now, the crops out there look wonderful. Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, they just look wonderful. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they say the corn knee-high by July 4th. Well, it's like heck, it's as tall as me. <laughs> well, I'm not that tall, but <laughs> but the, the crops look wonderful, and I'm so glad to see that. So, Well, and you've talked about, you mentioned uh, dairy farming and the wonderful cheeses. Uh, you've introduced deep-fried cheese curds to mm. many areas of the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what have you observed with that? I, I know there's a story or two. <laughs> you know, I remember when we opened our first restaurant in Tucson, Arizona on, on here I go again, on Broadway is the name of the street. Where, What's uh, the phone number of the restaurant? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. But I was there for that opening and helping out and it was at that time the biggest opening we've ever had. It was a zoo. And I remember running an order out in the dining room and overhearing these ladies talking what are those choose cheese curd things? And, <laughs> and I, the other lady said, it's a Wisconsin thing from what I heard. <laughs> from what I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, we've introduced cheese curds around the nation. And, uh, but now you're seeing them a lot of places outside of Wisconsin now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really, uh, maybe in the last 15 years or so, that's suddenly appeared on more menus well, around the country. I, I would maybe say it's not, 20 or 25. I would say more like five years. Oh. I would, uh, not not that long ago, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, but whatever. We serve a lot of them, and uh, all, the, all the curds are from a family dairy just outside of Chippewa Falls here in Wisconsin. Yep. Wow. All of them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a that's a volume it's millions business of pounds. Wow. Millions yeah. Of pounds. yeah. <laughs> we we talk a lot about cheese curds on this podcast, and I'm always taking my wife to new restaurants that I heard that we we've got to mm-hmm. go try their curds, and every time she's like, they're good, but they're not Culvers. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, and uh, I like cheese curds just about wherever I go. Yeah. Uh, however, and I'll share a secret with you, but I, you know, that's not a smart thing to do on a podcast. <laughs> we are recording this. <laughs> I am not a fan of a raw cheese curd. I am just not. It just, uh, fried cheese curds, great. I love them. But, uh. I don't know. There's just, some, just something. And Is it the squeak you don't like? I don't Texture know. Texture thing? <laughs> I'm, 
that's just a Craig thing. So yeah. Let's <laughs> just get over it and let's, let's block that out of this podcast. Yeah, let's <laughs> you know, breading and oil really makes yeah, anything yeah. so much <laughs> you know, better. I went, we went home last night and we said, let's just eat at home. And, and uh, so I, I brought some tater tots home and I said, well, let's turn on the oven. We'll bake them in there. My wife said, no, we're going to fry them in oil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just make it a little tastier. Yeah, yeah. Does it does help? And of course, you know, French fries. Wisconsin's a big potato state. Idaho's a big potato state. And you, I think, you're in Idaho. Yes, we now. are. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're sort. A lot of Wisconsin sourcing goes on, but I'm sure some of those products come from around the country. The potatoes do come from uh, the southeastern corner of the state of Washington. So that's where the potatoes come from, which is right next to Idaho. Mm, oh yeah. So the whole region. I mean, they are. I love our French fries. Um, you know, when we started, I wanted crinkle-cut French fries. Well, they hold the ketchup better. They mm-hmm. do hold the ketchup. They're, they're just... It's like uh, stair steps of ketchup. I even, I even <laughs> clean up the rest of the tartar sauce with those. <laughs> but it came, it yeah, came from years sauce on prior. fries is good, yeah. Um, you know, it's something none of my competitors had. Mm-hmm. At that time, I had no idea. That was with one restaurant. So <laughs> what was I thinking, you know? But uh, I, I just wanted crinkle cuts is what I wanted. And we've continued with them ever since. Hmm. Craig, I do want to ask you, I know that you said, so you're not active CEO anymore, but mm-hmm. you're still on the board. What, I mean, obviously you already mentioned for your daughters, you all want to see it reach 100 years. But what other like grand visions do you have for Culver's moving forward? Yeah, I don't... I'm not a big, even though I'm talking about, you know, a hundred-year-old company and it takes planning to do that. I'm not the best planner in the world, and uh, most entrepreneurs are not, as a matter of fact. Um, but I don't have this grand plan, I, uh, but I do love change. I, I don't, I get bored with something that just stays the same. And so I, I, I look to... You know, a new product here and there. It doesn't have to be every, you know, month or anything like that. But uh, I like something new on occasion. I think our guests do, too. And I, th- I think our, our team members do, too. They, they love some new things that come along. And, it, you know, it just keeps the energy going uh, in the restaurants. Uh, you know, I, there's all kinds of new things going on in the restaurant industry uh, in covid Help spark a lot of that. Uh, we've been thinking about delivery for a long time, and uh, we've always weren't sure if it made sense for us uh, because our food doesn't travel that well. You know, French fries traveling, uh, you don't know when they're going to get to the destination. Uh, you know, a burger. Ah, I'm, so we, we just haven't gone there yet. However, I've thought about this as well, that during the year of COVID, you know, that delivery business was huge mm-hmm. for a lot of places. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if people really care if the food is cold or, or not any longer. I, 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 I myself do not order delivery unless it's a pizza and usually a pizza. I'm usually disappointed with it <laughs> when, I, when I get it. Uh, but, uh, you know, so there's so many di- different things going on in the industry, and technology is behind, mm-hmm. uh, is behind most of it. And uh, in that area, we are changing. We didn't have online ordering over 
the year of the COVID, and uh, we were behind the eight ball on that one. We should have had that. We had been looking at it for a number of years, and we just never said, let's do it. And uh, so we were behind technology there. Uh, now we've got it. We've got it online, and it's working quite well in the restaurants. Uh, you saw the, if you're familiar with Culver's, you saw the long lines at the drive through <laughs> and still, they're still there. Um, and thank God they are there, by the way. But <laughs> now we have uh, the technology where we can go outside uh, with a tablet and actually mm -hmm. take orders out there, break up the line, and fire them into the kitchen. And uh, uh, we can have the order ready when they circle around to the window. So technology-wise, there's going to continue to be new things going on, things I don't even know about right now, but there's always going to be new things. And However, um, you know, there's, there's, in my opinion, one way to make a butter burger, and I don't want to, <laughs> and I, I want to, it, it's a, a part science, but part artist as well. Uh, the grill person, I mean, it's a real art to make a butter burger, it's, and it's hard work as well, and I just don't know of a piece of machinery Mm -hmm. That could do that same thing, a robot, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Nor do I want robots taking <laughs> orders at the front counter. Because it's about people. It is. People. And I don't want I I I don't want to see the restaurant industry go exclusively into that direction. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I believe competitively we will be a better competitor if we continue to do the hospitality at the front counter and throughout the restaurant. Uh, but who knows where, where all this is going to go. <laughs> but I just, I believe in that uh, interaction between, you know, our team and, and, and our guests and, you know, a little joke here and there or whatever, <laughs> putting smiles on faces. I don't know too many robots that can put a smile on a face. Maybe maybe they just look <laughs> cute or something. Uh, uh, you know, who knows where the where everything is going. Things will change. If there's one thing, you've also heard this, if there's one thing consistent, it's change. It will happen. And it's up to us to guide it within our company. Absolutely. Well, the key, the key is the things that made you successful, you keep those intact and you adapt the technology to make the experience a little you know, faster or easier, yeah. then, then you've just enhanced it. But that's the thing. Technology should enhance instead of replace, ideally. I, I agree. And so that, that'll help. And that, that'll help scaling up if you need to or whatever else is happening. Because, man, 812. My guess was, sorry, my guess was 450 to 500 restaurants. Oh, really? Because uh -huh. I just didn't. But I also don't travel around the country as much as I used to. So. Well, I, I, but I've seen I would it think more most more. people would guess the same as you. They... They aren't. Uh, they aren't aware. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll hit the one thousand mark uh, in a few years. You know? Wow! I would say three years. We should be very close to that. Wow! That should be a celebration for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see what my mom and dad would have to say if they were still around. Yeah. Oh my see gosh. a thousand restaurants <laughs> out there. That'd be something. Man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back after. Yeah, that you could celebrate be a celebratory <laughs> episode. I like that idea. I love it. Well, Craig Culver, thank you so much for coming into the yeah. cabin and talking with us today. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Well, good. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. I love talking business and I love talking, <laughs> I love talking Culver's and I love talking butter burgers and frozen custard. <laughs> 
Awesome. Uh, Guess what I'm going to have for lunch after we... Oh, yeah. I feel like that needs to be our lunch (laughs) stop before our afternoon recordings. (laughs) There's one not far away. What's the address? I was going to say, well, that's where I got all of our decorations for the day. Oh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. My pleasure. What a great dude. Boy, what a conversation, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I had met him before in a couple of other things, like some entrepreneur things. He's always like that. Just very like straightforward, down to earth. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. chill. Yeah. Speaks speaks to why Culver's has been successful, Mm -hmm. I think. I love it. Yeah. Speaking of eating some Culver's, what message do you have for us, Eric? Well, distracted (laughs) driving is the message today. And uh, basically... And, you know, it, we're still in summer. Fall's just around the corner, but let's face it, we got nice weather for a while yet. Right. You know, instead of necessarily dining in or eating in your car, it's always good to plan a trip. Eat your food at the park or by the lake and enjoy nature mm-hmm. while, you're, while you're out there eating. And food is so much better when you're, when you're just sitting down and enjoying it. You don't have to mm-hmm. worry about driving and stuff like that at the same time. Obviously, using a cell phone while driving is dangerous, but eating and driving... Well, there's a 39% increased likelihood of an accident then, too, mm-hmm. uh, including a beverage, especially if it's hot coffee and you spill it on your lap. I think then it yeah. goes up that much more. <laughs> uh, but basically, you know, try the picnicking. Go to the beach. Put your toes in the water. Enjoy the views. Enjoy the food. Or just relax. Explore gardens or forest mm-hmm. or whatever. There is a lot of good information on bobber.discoverwisconsin.com for information and ideas on enjoying your meals. Yeah. And doing it more responsibly. Yeah, and like that, he, he mentioned, just enjoy it when the food is best. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't Which wait till you're all nice the way home. Yeah, yeah, and that that's the thing. Yeah, he was mentioning that. And, and mm-hmm. he, he's right. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, French fries don't age well. You got to eat those right when you get them. they don't reheat. And I never understood why you can't reheat them properly. <laughs> but yeah, like enjoy your food in the moment. A lot of moment. fried things don't. However, fried cheese curds can. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so than fried onion rings or French fries. And burgers can Fair. reheat well. You just got to separate the bun. Right. So right, right, right. We'll, we can get into that as another topic. <laughs> uh, but that, uh, the bobber, and uh, that is brought to you by Group Health Trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from our friends at Focus on Energy, uh, we're entering the last stretch of our summer season. Mm. (laughs) Eric, you already made a comment about the snowshoe. I know you're excited. Yeah. yeah. Don't. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's still important to keep cool and save even in the beginning of September. And Mm -hmm. pretty soon it'll be hot for a while. It can still be toasty. And pretty soon it'll be important to make sure that your uh, heating is working as well. (laughs) So uh, did you know that as much as half the energy used in your home goes to heating and cooling? Well, our friends at Focus on Energy provided a few good tips for AC maintenance to help keep costs down and increase energy efficiency. Uh, So a good tip from them, get an annual preseason checkup. And if you need a professional to take a look at your AC system, they have uh, some qualified contractors on their website, um, as well as some cash incentives for keeping those systems up. Uh, Just look under the Trade Ally tab on FocusOnEnergy.com and find more tips at FocusOnEnergy.com slash blog to save those dollars and enjoy Wisconsin. And the Packer season Mm -hmm. and Mm. all that good stuff. So this review is particularly very funny for our conversation (laughs) with Craig today. Not necessarily because it's about food, um, but it's by Bye Bye Bukowski. 
Bye bye, Kowski. From Apple Podcasts. And it says, great show, covers it all. I do like the variety of topics and locations you cover. Admittedly, the boozy topics are of high interest to me. We understand Shocker! You. We get you. We feel you. But one request, please mention more direction and geography, i.e. how far northwest, southeast, central, etc. When describing locations within the state, I'm clueless on the highways you reference. <laughs> that was a very direct what? error. Not call. everyone knows exactly what highway intersections are atlas. That's why my state trunk tour site is so handy. You follow the highways, it tells you where you go. But I will, I'll, I'm still going to do the highways because people oh, know they sure. can follow the number, but I'll happily like mm-hmm. get a little more specific on where in Wisconsin. That okay. is totally fine with me. Bye bye, Kowski. Legit. We Thank you, are bye, totally Kowski. open to feedback. Good, some good constructive criticism. But I just thought it was so funny when you and Craig kept going back and forth with like the highways and the exits. Yep. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> you didn't know this hi- This review was in there, but. Still blows me away. I named two random spots in the country and he could tell me so much Crazy. about, about them. Oh my gosh. Which, again, I mean, I feel like I'll always keep that little nugget with me that it's about the people business. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think that's great. Anyway, uh, they wrap it up by saying, thanks. Please keep up the great shows. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Yeah, thank yes. you. <laughs> thank you, Bye Bye Kowski. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite uh, Apple podcast handles mm-hmm. <laughs> so far that we've had. It's catchy. So, yeah. All right. And, uh, of course, next week where we will be on the uh, tail end of Labor Day weekend. Make we sure you join us here on the cabin. And uh, before we wrap up, I want to remind you of this message from the All of Us Research Program. The All of Us Research Program is asking for people to help researchers make healthcare more precise by creating individualized prevention and treatment options. When you join, you'll share your unique health information and become part of the largest and most diverse medical research program ever. The more data researchers have, the more they'll be able to create better care for all of us. Introducing the next breakthrough in medicine, you. Details at joinallofus.org slash discoverwi. Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by Eric Paulson, Dave Janis, and me, Susan Foch, with guest host of Craig Culver. Produced by me and Audio Dave with video editing by Cooper Steele and social media by me and Courtney Haas. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover Media Works. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com and don't forget to leave us a review. And here's this week's installment of Know Your Wisconsin. Silo Ridge is under construction, with plots for 160 members being built to meet the demands of a new lifestyle that's catching on in the 55 and up community. Nowadays, people sell their homes and they buy a really tricked out uh, camping unit, park model, a tiny home, whatever you want to call it, uh, but they make it home for the summer and then they go south in the winter. Many people have two units. They have a park model here and they have another one in Arizona, Texas, whatever. It's a lifestyle. You sell your house, you live in the Midwest, you live in the South. And with this growing trend, places like Silo Ridge are building features to make that summer stay in the Midwest that much more enjoyable. Behind us is, you know, our clubhouse under construction. We've only been at it for a couple of months. When the clubhouse is completed, it'll have a nice indoor heated swimming pool, television set in there to watch the game. Patio outside, which will be about 6,000 square feet with a nice fireplace and uh, and all the the lounge chairs, etc. The inside clubhouse is about 10,000 square feet, so, you know, bingo's a big deal, cards is a big deal, cribbage is a big deal. Whatever you want, we can create. With plans like this, it's hard to see the growth of this lifestyle slowing down anytime soon. So when Silo Ridge is done, 
you're going to be excited to be part of it. And when you get done telling all your friends, it wouldn't surprise me if many of them move in as neighbors because it's going to be a simple, easy way to live. And now you know you're Wisconsin.